Welcome to New Perceptions Podcast, the official podcast of the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry. The New Perceptions Podcast is for education, information, and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and guests and do not reflect the official policies of any entity. This podcast in the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry does not support or condone the illegal use, distribution, or sale of psychedelic substances. Furthermore, the topics discussed should not be solely used to diagnose, treat, or prevent diseases or conditions, and the reading of or listening to this podcast does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. The content discussed does not constitute medical advice, and any specific medical questions should be directed toward your personal health care professional. If you are listening to us on the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry website, it would be easier for you and better for us if you would please consider following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you will be notified when the latest episode airs. I am Dr. Tyler Jervisted, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and it's my privilege to welcome you to this author interview edition of the podcast. We're joined today by Medusa Warrior, the author of Critical Review, Investigating Whether There Are Similarities in EEG Band Waves Between Schizophrenic Patients and Participants Given DMT or Ayahuasca Tea. Med, welcome to the New Perceptions Podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Tyler. I get very enthusiastic, actually, about all the connections I've made on investigating naturally occurring DMT. And this is my first official podcast at talking about the work I really love. Awesome. Well, well, could you kind of tell the listeners out there who maybe haven't had a chance to read your, your piece, which is available online in the, the journal right now, what it's all about? Sure. Uh, so this article is a critical review of some academic papers investigating any similarities in EEG frequency band waves between DMT participants and schizophrenics. I hypothesized that the EEG band waves from the DMT and ayahuasca, which contains DMT, would have similar EEG band waves to schizophrenic patients that had been monitored. So in general, it's re-evaluating the possibility of schizophrenics producing endogenous DMT. And how did you come up with the idea for the study? What was the inspiration for it? Ah, So the background to my research article is actually based upon personal experience of altered consciousness. So for most of my adult and teenage life, I had days where I would sleep for up to three days, which would actually create profound and sometimes extremely distressing changes to my consciousness. And I I first became aware of DMT from... Jeremy Narby's book, The Cosmic Serpent, and the and and in that the um, the Shipibo tribe would ingest a brew called ayahuasca, which contains DMT, and had a realization that I was experiencing the same types of altered consciousness. But at that time, I had no idea that DMT was naturally occurring or endogenous in our bodies. So it took. Um, lots of independent research and then a realization that I would need a degree in which to really understand some of the concepts which might be involved in researching endogenous DMT. So the other issue I had was that in the beginning of my research, I wanted to use hypersomnia cases, mainly because of the independent research I'd already done on sleep. And that would involve the tryptophan pathway and how that relates to melatonin and DMT. But there was very little research on EEG frequency band waves using excessive sleep patterns or hypersomnia. So 
By researching schizophrenia during my master's, I realised that the symptoms can also be like long periods of sleep, hallucinations, premonitions and changes to consciousness. So I became interested in the early 1970s research carried out that found DMT in urine and blood of schizophrenic patients. And therefore, I wanted to investigate other ways of looking at similarities between DMT and schizophrenia in the time frame and the availability I had. Yeah, that, that was really fascinating. How did you go about designing, setting up, and and you know uh, setting up some methods to test out uh, this this question and hypothesis that you had? Hmm. So for the critical review research, I used academic papers. And these needed to have EEG frequency band waves recorded within the delta, theta, alpha ranges. So I found three ayahuasca papers, one neat DMT injection paper and two schizophrenic research papers. I then investigated the similarities between the DMT groups and the schizophrenic patients. And then could you kind of take us through what the results showed? Sure. Um, well, all the papers showed differences from either baseline with the DMT ingestion or between schizophrenic patients and normal patients, which suggested there were changes to all groups to begin with. So interestingly, the results of my study showed similarities in the lower band waves, that's the delta theta band waves, between the neat DMT injection and the schizophrenic patients. Comparing the ayahuasca articles, well, these showed a decrease in band waves, especially in the theta range. So this was inconsistent with the DMT injection and schizophrenic band wave similarities. Did those results surprise you in any way? <laughs> I'm not so sure I was surprised by the results. I was, a, I was very frustrated by the results because obviously as a researcher, I wanted complete correlations or causations to be apparent. But then it was fascinating to look into why there might be these discrepancies and limitations to the study. And so what were some of those reasons why this result was, was likely there and, and what are some of the limitations? Ah, yeah. So, for example, the ayahuasca brew is a mixture of different plant compounds, including monamine oxidase inhibitors, that are not included in the DMT injections because there's a direct route into the bloodstream. You don't need that for metabolism. So also using ayahuasca brew as a variable is difficult to assess because sometimes the plants contain different compositions. For example, 5-methoxy-DMT. But the plants can also contain different ranges of DMT depending on soil compositions, circadian rhythms, and what age or what part of the plant is used. And there was also differences in EEG techniques between the papers, for example. In some of the papers, the delta ranged between one and four hertz, and in other papers, the delta range was between 1.3 and 3.5 hertz. So this could have affected the results conclusions can we draw from this paper and what kind of implications for future research in this area do you think we can draw from your research in this paper? 
Mm. Well, after starting the research, I, it soon became apparent that EEG only shows different brainwave patterns. It doesn't show the specific chemical that is changing the brainwaves. So we can only assume that by ingesting DMT, that it is DMT that is changing the brainwaves. So for me, future studies would really need to tie down specific chemicals by using different methods. And are you currently involved in any of these uh, studies or looking into designing some on your own? Well, I would like to continue investigating endogenous DMT, um, hopefully towards a PhD. Um, it's quite difficult to find supervisors who are focused on the biological pathways of psychedelics or endogenous psychedelic chemicals. Um, personally, my interest in bringing different areas together like genetics, metabolism, the immune system and bacteria to solve all these issues makes it difficult to find the right department, let alone supervisor. Yeah, I can imagine that's quite challenging for you. I know there's an emerging field of all of this, and so hopefully you'll be able to find uh, a department or a set of departments that can work with you on that, because I would definitely like to see further research into this and, and, and extrapolation and exploration of some of these more difficult and challenging topics that you're touching on right now. So um, as we kind of wrap up here, what do you think the major takeaways were from your study, and what do you think the listeners should kind of go home with as far as take-home points? Well, it would be great to build on the early schizophrenic research from the 1970s and use any additional technology and information we have now access to. For example, looking at liver enzymes, which may be involved with metabolism. Um, I think that momentum is picking up regarding endogenous DMT and schizophrenia, for example. The same time as I was finishing my dissertation, an article was published in Schizophrenia Bulletin by Leturgos et al. And they were looking at the differences and similarities between psychedelic hallucinations and those on the schizophrenic spectrum. So interestingly, I was thinking about their results on why schizophrenics would have more pronounced forms of hallucinations. And it occurred to me that maybe schizophrenics were experiencing more tropane hallucinations like, like in Datura or Belladonna plants. So I'd done some research into the tropane pathway and hypothesized that the tropane pathway is off balance and unable to inhibit acetylcholine. And then maybe DMT kicks in to decrease acetylcholine. And sure enough, there's a 1977 paper on how DMT lowers acetylcholine in rat brains. So from my understanding, I'm at that stage where I would be hypothesizing that endogenous DMT is actually a mechanism for cell survival which has already been suggested by some researchers. So the point here I'm trying to make is, although there might be inconsistencies in schizophrenic patients regarding endogenous DMT measurements, either in blood, urine, or even EEG measurements, they're little snippets of early research that may be utilized to increase our understanding. Yeah, I think 
this especially highlights it, but as with most things, more research is needed, and we just need a little more time and a, a more people like you out there willing to take that time to investigate it. So um, as we kind of uh, push on forward here, I wish you the best of luck, and if you have any future studies, we'd be happy to, to review them for publication here in the journal, and we'll be sure to link to some of those articles that you've cited during today's discussion, as well as your own paper um, in the show notes, and so we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up there, but thank you so much for coming on, and thank you so much for, for at least looking into this, and I think it was going to be something that's going to further the information in the field. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's interview. If you would like to submit an article for potential publication in the journal or you have further questions, please visit our website, journalofpsychedelicpsychiatry.org, or send us an email at journalofpsychedelicpsychiatry at gmail.com. To stay up to date on all the latest information regarding the journal, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to New Perceptions.